This is The Guardian. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week, he has a candid conversation with guests, including prime ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Over the past few weeks, India and Pakistan have been experiencing a brutal, deadly heat wave. The heat wave in India continues with no sign of relief in the form of rainfall, and the months ahead look unbearable. Northwest and central India have had the hottest April in 122 years, and Turbat in Pakistan's southwestern Baluchistan region has been suffering temperatures of nearly 50 degrees Celsius, that's 122 Fahrenheit, for weeks. In all, the heat wave is hitting a region home to more than a billion people, many of those affected by the heat, local workers without a lot of options. Heat at this level can easily be deadly. It's also drying up reservoirs, damaging food crops, and melting Pakistan's northern glaciers at an unprecedented rate. So what's it like to live through such an extreme heat wave? And faced with a crisis that's set to worsen in coming years, what can India and Pakistan do? I'm Ian Sample, The Guardian's science editor, and this is Science Weekly. Shamir, as a reporter covering Pakistan, you've recently been writing about the heat waves there as well as in India. In your hometown of Turbot, there's been record-breaking temperatures. What does this heat actually feel like? As people say over there, it's like a hellfire, like it's burning your uh, like face, your body, and from 12 onward to 5 p.m., people try not to go out. And a decade ago, you might not need an air condition. That was told to be a luxury, but these days it's called a necessity. The biggest issue is that there's a huge uh, shortage of water and outage of electricity at the same time. And people over there are using a wet towel on their faces or wet uh, clothes. So it's quite a fragile situation and it has become very deadly. Like just imagine it was 49 degrees centigrade in Jacob Abad and this is beyond the human body's endurance. Shah, you're obviously living through this and seeing these incredible heat waves almost every year now. But this one coincides with an economic crisis in Pakistan. 
Is it scary? And is it something that the people of Pakistan are really worrying about? It's very worrying. And some analysts even term it a biggest issue than uh, terrorism. Because you see, uh, you're losing your water in a way that you shouldn't be. The glacier are melting in a in a rate that is very scary. And at the same time, you have a economic crunch and inflation that is highest in entire South Asia. And there are many things that need to be done. There should be some ways to bring up bigger and structural change. What is missing in most of the cities and the most of the towns? There are no eat wave management plants. There are many towns and cities in Pakistan that don't have a single tree. There are no thermometers which can uh, make you ready about such situation and there should be some plants to deal with emergency situations. Is there much recognition among the population, as far as you can tell, among government ministers, that heat waves like this are driven by the climate crisis and that, that things like this are actually set to become even more common? To the date, I don't see much reporting and much awareness on this issue. And most of the topics who are given coverage in Pakistan, they are of sensationalism and politics. And we don't see much talks about climate crisis. And it's a huge issue. And there are many people, if you talk to them, they don't have any idea about climate crisis. And they don't know what this is. Though now we have a climate change minister who has been quite well known for her work and she has already declared it as an existential crisis. Just imagine right now in Pakistan, we have eight months of summer and four months of a winter. Things should be done on war footing. People in India and Pakistan are having to endure deadly temperatures, sometimes without simple protection like shade from trees, but also without energy to run cooling systems and even much access to water. This puts millions of people's health at risk. It was something I discussed with Abhyant Tiwari, a heat health expert in India. First is impacting their health directly. And second is affecting the livelihood directly, particularly the outdoor workers, the construction workers, the, you know, rack pickers, street vendors. I mean, who anyway have to do their work outside, they cannot do it because of the unbearable heat, particularly during the afternoon hours. That is how people lose their livelihood also. And can you give us a sense of what happens to the human body when it's faced with temperatures like this, 50 degrees Celsius and more? You know, heat affects the human body two ways. One is a direct impacts, which are, for example, heat rashes and heat cramps and heat exhaustion and heat stroke, which is the most fatal situation. Even a healthy person can fall sick because of the exposure to extreme heat. But this amounts for nearly 10% of the health impact that the heat poses on the public health. The larger one is unfortunately underreported or non-documented, which is a indirect impact of the extreme heat on health. So what happens is our vulnerable ones, uh, you know, those with the comorbidities uh, like diabetes or cardiac diseases or even cancer, that gets exaggerated because of uh, the heat stress that their body has to face. And how does humidity play into this? Can that make things worse? Yeah, it definitely does. What happens is that during heat stroke, our thermoregulatory mechanism fails. 
So perspiration is one of the mechanisms, but in high humidity, that system also fails and that is more fatal. And that's why we have seen, you know, the impact of extreme heat mostly happening in our coastal states. So you've obviously got these terrible conditions where people can barely perspire to cool down, and that's obviously very dangerous. What systems does India have in place to reduce the risks? So we had a very devastating heat wave in 2010 in, in western part of India in the, in the state of Gujarat. And learning from that, the city authority was ready to take action and develop this first heat action plan, which initially had just three components. First one is an early warning and interagency coordination. And when there are, you know, alerts for orange for a heat wave or a red alert for a heat wave, you know, we have seen a department's government officials issuing advisories to shut down the schools. We have seen, you know, hospitals and health department piling up their stocks and supplies, ensuring the trainings of the health workforce to ensure the better management of particularly the vulnerable ones from the extreme heat. Then the other component is capacity building. So, for example, building capacity of health workers, you know, the primary health responders. And then lastly, the third one was public awareness and community outreach. I'm wondering how the impact of all of this ripples outwards. I mean, India and Pakistan produce a lot of wheat, for example. I mean, that's already being pretty heavily impacted by the war in Ukraine. I mean, is is this heat wave going on at the moment going to impact countries across the world, do you think? Yes, it is impacting the the agriculture as well and thus the food supply. We have already seen the impact on the wheat production. India is an agrarian country. We have a large export of, uh, you know, food. And heat will affect all the sectors of economy, the health, the agriculture, the transport, even the, you know, technology for mobile. So everything will get affected from extreme heat and every sector, every sector of economy will have to have their heat action plans. We may not be able to say that this particular heatwave is caused by climate change, but it's clear they're becoming much more common. What could that mean for a country like India? We have to adapt. We always hear these words, adaptation and mitigation. But when do we adapt? We adapt when the situations are unavoidable. This heat wave is not something that uh, you know we can avoid now because this is happening because of the 1.1 degree Celsius temperature that we have already increased in the average global temperature. But I am still hopeful that our adaptation plans will work in protecting our vulnerable ones from the extreme heat. And our uh, decision makers at the larger scale who meet on every COP and make commitments will at least now start implementing them because if this is the situation at 1.1 degree you know warming if this is unbearable this is you know inhabitable the future one would be i have no comments to make on that abiant thank you so much for coming on thank you so much thank you thank you Ian. thank you to both abiant tawari and shah mir who you heard from at the start of the episode you can find a link to Shah's coverage of this story on the podcast webpage at theguardian.com. And that's it for today. The producer was Madeline Finley. The sound design was by Rudy Zagadlo. And the executive producers were Isabel Rugol and Max Sanderson. We'll be back on Thursday. See you then.
This is The Guardian. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts.